Micro Monday again, the weekly microcast where we get to know members of the Micro.blog community. I'm Jean McDonald, the community manager here at Micro.blog, and today I get to talk to Samir Vasta, who is at Vasta on Micro.blog. Hey, Samir, how are you doing? Doing all right. It's great to be with you here, Jean. I'm really glad that you could make it. It's uh, I know that you have your your fans in our Microdot blog community, and you've been around for a while. And I know people will be interested in hearing what you have to say. Uh, starting with, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I, I think my uh, my standard uh, blurb is that uh, I am Samir Vasta. I live in London, Ontario, up here in Canada, and I am an avid letter writer, uh, an avid pedestrian, and an avid reader. Um, avid seems to be repeated quite often there. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that encapsulates a lot of what I do is uh, I love uh, connecting with people, whether mostly through post, but also all over the internet. Uh, I love reading, and that includes books, novels, articles, whatever it is, um, including micro posts. And uh, I, I love uh, exploring the world on foot. And sometimes uh, those explorations lead to fun in new places. Uh, by day, of course, I work uh, at the Ontario Digital Service, which is a, a part of the government of Ontario here. And I work uh, in employee experience, which is uh, has a strong focus on diversity and inclusion and equity, as well as growth, learning and development. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I, um, I'm interested how you got involved in that, uh, that line of work. Yeah, it kind of fell into place. It was not something that I had ever actually sought out to do. So I have a training in anthropology and mostly in governance of large organizations. So I've been working in public sector organizations for a while. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you learn when you're working in governance is that you can do all the modeling you want and you can set up organizations to have good governance all you want. But in the end, it really comes down to the people. Mm -hmm. And the people are the ones that are actually going to create the culture and to create the accountabilities and create an organization that you want to be a part of. And if we just focus on the governance, we're never actually going to achieve that organization that we aspire to. So we really need to focus on the people. So I kind of started to pivot about three to five years ago. Uh, from focusing on governance to focusing on the people who are actually acting out this governance. And it's been a slow, slow burn. I have no background in HR or psychology <laughs> or anything like that. Uh, but you learn a lot when you listen to people. And it's a lot of been, been a lot of listening to people, supporting their projects, supporting their ideas, and then taking them and applying them to other contexts. Wow. That sounds so interesting. And and it sounds like a good fit for you with your, you know, your av your many avid interests, you know, <laughs> to to uh, get um, involved with organizations on the micro level, i.e., the people themselves. Um, exactly. And that's my awesome segue to talk about micro.blog. <laughs> so just, you know, if you're scoring my professional podcast points at home, that's a point for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so tell me about when, I mean, if you remember, like how you first heard about micro.blog and what made you want to participate. I've been thinking about this question a lot because a lot of times we find ourselves in places and we don't quite remember why. And uh, I think what I've been trying to do recently has been more intent be more intentional with everything I do in my life. And so I've been thinking about what was the intention that I came into micro.blog micro with. And I think it goes back to first uh, the demise of Google Reader, right? Mm. So Google Reader was something that I used all the time. It was a place not just for uh, – you know, making sure I was staying on top of my feeds. But it was a great place for building a community of people who could share things that would challenge me, that would interest me, that would delight me. And then me to share back to them. 
So mm -hmm. Google Reader was a huge part of my world for a very long time. And when it disappeared, I moved over to Tumblr and it wasn't quite what I was looking for, but it served a similar purpose. Mm -hmm. Then one day, uh, Andy Bayo, uh, waxy.org, posted a link to a Kickstarter for something called micro.blog. And basically, I click on everything Andy links to. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to this Kickstarter. And at first, I was like, micro.blog, it feels like Twitter. I'm not sure. And then I read a little bit more. And then I started to read a bit about Manton and the work that he's doing and, and his ideas and his passions. And I said, no, this, this is not Twitter. This is what Google Reader should have been from the start. It's a way to follow people who have similar interests, but also challenging interests, and to engage with them in a place where you can see what they are writing, what they are sharing, what they are liking, but also to give back to them, to share your ideas and share your thoughts and engage in a very strong conversation around mm -hmm. those ideas. And that's what, that's what attracts to me to it. So obviously, you know, it was an immediate yes to the Kickstarter campaign uh, without even thinking. And uh, <laughs> I've been, been around since then. Yeah, it's been great, you know, to get to know you through your micro posts and then through those posts, also clicking through to your blog, which is really thoughtful. Um, how do you find people to follow? It's off, often a question that people ask us and, you know, we don't make it easy, shall I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do make it easy. And, and, and so I, I will push back on that. Okay. I find that I, I find people to follow. Uh, the same way that I find places to just explore when I'm walking around the city on foot, right? It is finding a thread that takes you somewhere that you hadn't thought before. Mm -hmm. So I keep all of the replies on to everyone. So my mm -hmm. stream is full of people's replies. And I will click through, you know, once or twice a day, every single conversation in my yeah. In my, in my stream. And what that allows me to do is not just see what people are talking about, see what people are engaging in, but see who those people are. And then mm -hmm. allows me to explore a little bit more about them. So then you get caught down that rabbit hole of saying, oh, who's this person? And then reading every single thing they've ever written. And then an hour has <laughs> gone by. <laughs> but that's, that's, and so it's less about following people, but it's really about following these ideas and the threads of the ideas and then finding people through that, uh, through that serendipity that you find uh, when you're following those conversations. Uh -huh. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna capture that and turn it into a marketing blurb for microdeathlog <laughs> because I I mean I also have replies for everyone turned on. I can understand why some people want um, that not to be an option. And for those who aren't familiar with the setup of microdeathlog, by default in the beginning you would see uh, people's replies to people that you didn't follow. So it was a little bit like being dropped into a conversation that you weren't initially a part of, but it did alert you to conversations. However, you know, if you had a lot of people who did a lot of replies in your timeline, you might start feeling like you weren't getting uh, to follow the actual people you were following. <laughs> and so we did add the option, um, which is in uh, your uh, on the web under your account to switch that to only see replies to people I am following. And I did not turn that on because as community manager, I'm, you know, I'm interested more than interested. You know, I, I think it's my responsibility to follow as many conversations as, you know, I can without making myself insane. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it's the reason what you just described is the reason that Manton said it that way to begin with is that we would um, make it possible to surface conversations that might interest you. And uh, 
there you're there you are you're the poster exactly. <laughs> child i don't know <laughs> and then it comes and it comes down to the idea of some people are com- completionists and some people are happy to dip their toe in the stream and i've never been a completionist i never need to see what everyone is saying right so what's really useful for me is having all of those conversations going i don't feel like i need to keep scrolling down keep scrolling down until the last thing i can dive in spend mm-hmm. a few minutes looking at what conversations are happening and then dive back out. Yeah. Other people may not be that way. And so I can understand how it would feel overwhelming for them, but it really depends on the, your character and kind of your personality as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And, you know, we are human beings and, and <laughs> character and personality tend to vary greatly. And uh, we want to, um, to the extent that it's possible, make it, you know, a platform that works for a variety of preferences and, and, you know, uh, goals, completionist goals if necessary. <laughs> I am also not a completionist except on micro.blog. I am pretty much. Am. <laughs> um, well, you know, tell me about like what your experiences have um, been like, cause I know you've taken some breaks uh, from the platform and um, you know, I think, it's an interesting example of how something can work well and then not work well for, for depending on the person and, and depending on what their experience is like. Definitely. I, I would say overall, the experience has been lovely. The people are supportive. The, you've done an incredible job of mobilizing a community who want to engage in ideas and who want to to acknowledge that others have, have good ideas. And I, I, that's all credit to you and Manton for creating not just norms, but also designing a service and designing a community, which is an active and intentional uh, uh, in, intentional thing to do uh, that, that supports and fosters each other. Now, that being said, no community is perfect. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, part, of, part of my work, but also part of my lived experience as someone who is a person of color, who is uh, an identified Muslim, and who has dealt with kind of this idea of marginalization and exclusion mm-hmm. uh, his whole life, and now works with others who feel marginalized, excluded, and dismissed. And how and, and thinks about how we can build inclusive spaces. A lot of what happens when people who don't engage in these kinds of ideas regularly mm-hmm. seem to s- step beyond um, it hits me viscerally. Mm-hmm. And so there are moments where people incur violence through language. And I know this is a very strong thing to say, but it's definitely something that I've been doing a lot of research on is the weaponization of language mm-hmm. is 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 very important to think about because if you tell someone who spent their entire life being excluded, that their thoughts don't belong. If you tell someone who spent their entire life being dismissed and say, oh, I dismiss you or your idea. And if you tell someone whose entire life has been in the margins, Mm -hmm. feeling like they never belong, if you say your thoughts don't belong here, Mm -hmm. that is not just something that can be tossed off as, oh, he was trolling or Mm -hmm. he said something insensitive. That is trauma. And these are these micro traumas that people who are in the margins feel every single day. Mm-hmm. Now, I have an inherent sense of privilege. I am a man. I have a, I'm a, of a certain socioeconomic uh, demographic. There are certain privileges that I have. And because of those privileges, but because also of my lived experience, because I lived through a childhood of always being told, oh, don't worry, that person didn't mean it. Or don't worry, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. I have these traumas built in, mm-hmm. which I can then counteract with my privilege in order to make sure that I'm calling out when that trauma is being incurred. And to protect myself when I feel that I am now 
being uh, being subject to these traumas and to subject to this this weaponization of language. So this is where mm-hmm. um, sometimes I need to take a break. Yeah. Um, and in microblog, I think micro.blog, there is taking a break is different than on other tools where there is a block functionality, right? So mm-hmm. I, in other tools, not that I'm on many social networks, but in, <laughs> in other tools, I am a liberal blocker. And this is not about creating an echo chamber. It is about yeah. creating safety. It is yeah. about creating safety because if you feel violence and trauma through language, yeah. and a lot of people who don't regularly feel that, well, that's a really hard concept for them to understand. But language can be weaponized to create violence. And if you feel mm-hmm. violence through language, you need to liberally remove that violence from your life. If, similarly, if you someone is constantly coming and beating you up after school, you are going to do mm-hmm. what you can to to stay away from that person, right, right? right? I think the block button, people say you're using it as an echo chamber, but the block button really is is about making sure that you are safe and you feel safety in the things that you do. And so mm-hmm. I'm a liberal blocker. And since that doesn't quite exist in micro.blog yet, yeah. my, my, my only way to deal with that right now is to step away from the community, allow myself to recover from that violence, allow myself to recover from that trauma, and then come back when I can to make sure that weaponization of language doesn't happen to others. Yeah, that's some really good food for thought for the rest of us. I mean, I I definitely have the um, inclination sometimes to think, oh, just ignore that person, right? But right. as you say, it's a micro trauma. Um, and there's certain little traumas, you know, that I have definitely experienced, you know, as a woman, and you know, you, right. you honestly forget about them. And then one day, they all come rushing in. <laughs> and you're exactly. Like, oh, exactly. my God, why didn't I say anything about that? Or why <laughs> did I just sit there and participate, you know, whatever, in this organization that intentionally by bylaws excluded women from being officers? I do get it. But I still also with my own privilege as a white person, I don't get my ideas dismissed. I mean, I try to pay much better attention than I used to, to the kinds of behaviors online that people of color are subjected to all the time. I'd be curious what you think about this idea. I feel like, of course, we have community guidelines, and those are are, are kind of hard rules about the kinds of behaviors um, and language that won't be tolerated, period. But then there's the whole messier universe of behaviors that are not great, but hard to regulate, because everybody is a little different on how they react to certain things. But I would like to hold people to a standard that you um, consider, if that person were in the room with you, how would you Mm -hmm. talk to them? And I don't know, I mean, that won't fix everything. And that people who are insensitive are insensitive in person too. And, and, and they might not be insensitive. They just might not have an experience to understand the power of their words, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what I keep coming down to. Like there's an intentionality and a lot of people may not have that intention, but it's not the intention that matters. It's the impact, right? Yeah. So I think if the first thing, you know, you can't really police this, of course, but if we can encourage people to say, engage with the idea, mm-hmm. you know, refute the idea, contend and debate with the idea, do not refute and dismiss the person. And that's a really good starting base because it acknowledges that each and every single one of us is a human, is a person, and has a right to exist in a space, mm-hmm. right? An idea can be refuted, an idea can be debated, an idea can be taken out of a space. But as a human, 
to tell someone who is always being told you do not have a right to exist in this space to continue to tell them as a person and engage with them as a person and say you do not belong, that's where it gets tricky. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's something you can't police through community guidelines, right? This is something yeah. that has to be embedded into the norms of a community. This is something that people need to call out. And a lot of times it ends up being uh, the onus of the marginalized to call out that the fact that they're being marginalized, right? right? Um, so how do you build a community where when this happens, people are able to speak out and say, hey, that wasn't cool. Hey, you know what? You might not agree with this person, but take dismissing them rather than dismissing their idea is not the way to engage. And we will get there. And yeah. the, the work that you and Manton have done to intentionally create an atmosphere where that can happen is great. It just we also have to remember that not every community will be right for every single person. And it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. micro.blog might not be for me. It might be. It might not be for someone else. And it might be. We don't need to have a space in every community, but we need to make sure that we're not being dismissed in the communities where we do exist. Very good. Uh, thanks for that, because uh, I think that helps me clarify um, my thinking on it. And as you say, um, intentions uh, are not the issue it's the impact <laughs> right. um right. and yeah i mean well we could go on on this subject <laughs> maybe we need to have a macro cast where we just talk about diversity and inclusion and yeah i have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings on this subject as i'm sure and, and you this do is why too. it's a tricky thing to talk about because it is not objective, right? Right. It is it is inherently subjective. It is inherently tied to the experiences that the person has had before. And you can never know that. So what all you can do is to approach each individual as a human, as a caring, as a feeling, as a sentimental human, mm-hmm. and to understand that our impact on them will have an impact on their sentiment and on their feeling. Mm-hmm. And whatever we can do to make sure that we are not making them feel like they do not belong, that is the best thing we can do. I just want to end it right there, because <laughs> that that is the best thing we can do. And, you know, not just on micro.blog, but everywhere where we can uh, make an impact and, and be, a, be a human to other humans. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> oh, that could be a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> well, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to add about anything? Uh, not really. I just wanted to say thank you. This has been an a, an experiment, of course, um, but it has also been a reminder of what the web was built on and why I was so intrigued and so enthralled by the World Wide Web when I was a young child and it was brought in to my house. And I said, this, there's power in this and the power is in connecting people. So thank you to you, to Manton, to everyone who is behind bringing back that sense of optimism and that sense of uh, enthrallment and delight of the sense of connecting people through the World Wide Web. And uh, that's been missing for a while. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you for being here. And uh, listeners, if you want to follow Samir on micro.blog, there will be a link in the show notes, or you can go to micro.blog slash Vasta. And we thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Mm